Hello, I'm Heat. And I'm Rocket Kid. And this is Ordinary Chaos. A podcast about ordinary life. Because you don't have to be famous to be interested. What's normal for me might be unusual for me. Let's do this! Heat here today with another episode of The Person Next Door. Our person next door today is Amy Cranmer. She is my cousin. I'm very excited to be talking her, talking to her. And Amy loves to sit outside in the morning and drink her coffee. Tell us about it. Well, uh, I recently moved to Florida and I'm from New Jersey. So the weather here is slightly different. Um, you know, we're going into winter and in New Jersey, it is freezing, but down here it is gorgeous every day. And we have this beautiful backyard with a pool and alumni and I get to sit outside every morning in the beautiful weather and drink my coffee. And I watch bald eagles fly over my house. And it's just my favorite thing to do because it's just, it's new to me and it's just the best. (laughs) That sounds amazing. I have a similar experience in Arizona, also coming from (laughs) New Jersey, as you know, that, oh, it's nice out. Yes. <laughs> it's nice every day. It's it's something I'm not used to. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll pay for it in the summer. Yes. Yes. I haven't been here for the summer yet. We arrived mid-September. So the heat had like kind of just broken. And yeah, I'm excited that I get almost a full year before it gets to be unbearable. But we'll see <laughs> when it gets here. But, I mean, it's going to be great all winter, you know, fall, winter, spring. They're good. And at least here, the summers are so hot here. They're not as hot where you are, but they're much more humid. But it's so hot here that when the weather breaks, sitting outside is still amazing. I mean, I've lived here for almost 20 years, and I'm not yet tired of sitting outside and just enjoying nice weather. I don't think it's something I'll ever get tired of. And even when it's hot, I still like to sit out there. We have shade, so I'll sit in the shade when it's hot. It does get really humid, which is not my favorite. But, you know, we've got the pool here, so just hop in. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, we're going to kick this off with what would your younger self be surprised about your current self? I would say just about everything. (laughs) (laughs) To start, I have five children. I don't think anybody expects to have five children. I've been married twice. I don't think anybody expects to be married twice. Like I said, we recently moved to Florida and I would be surprised that I packed up five kids with my husband and drove from New Jersey to Florida. My job, I, you know, I've been a waitress for 18 years and the current job I'm at recently started promoting me and I've made my way up to a salaried manager. So that's, everything is a surprise. My whole life is just the way it's turned out. (laughs) It's turned out wonderfully. I'm so happy and, you know, I'm glad, but it's just surprising how perfectly everything has worked out. Nice. It's nice when the surprises are happy surprises. Yes, all good. I mean, my husband and I went to high school together, but we didn't actually start dating until we were like 28 years old. So that was also a surprise. You know, people from high school, oh, you're high school sweethearts. No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) Much, much later, we ran into each other and it's, you know, surprise. (laughs) Did you interact at all in high school? We did a little bit. We were in different crowds. He was, you know, a cool guy that skipped school and I was the marching band. So we were in different social circles, but we had some mutual friends. I've seen him here and there over the years. We had a couple of classes together. So we knew each other. It wouldn't have worked out had we dated earlier, had we dated in high school, had we dated right after high school when we knew each other. We were 
much different points in our lives and it wouldn't have worked out until we were older. So perfect. Perfect. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so in all of that time and flux and change, is there a piece of advice that you were given that you were really glad you didn't follow? Uh, yes, that would be the age old stay together for the kids. I grew up in a house with very with a very unhappy couple that stayed together because they had children. And my mother used to always say, you're so lucky. Your parents are together. So many people get divorced now and you are lucky. And I remember being very small and thinking, I don't feel very lucky because you two don't like each other. You know, they were miserable. They were unhappy. They were fighting at a very young age. I knew this isn't right. I'm not lucky to be here. And so that's something, you know, when I was in my last marriage and I wasn't happy, I knew that staying together for the kids was not the thing to do. And it's best to not. <laughs> that sounds very familiar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> kind of in the same vein, but not quite the same. Is there feedback that you've received, whether it's from a person or an experience or whatever, that changed completely in one aspect, I guess, how you look at yourself, whether for better or for worse? I am aware. I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm like naturally selfish. Like I don't, I don't think of others first. I think of myself first and I'm aware of that. So I try to remind myself to think of others and I'll, I'll talk about myself. I'll dominate a conversation. And my best friend is a very blunt person. So she'll tell me when I'm talking about myself too much. And it helps me to remember that nobody wants to hear this much about my life. Like I'm the only <laughs> one that's this interested in myself. And she'll just, sometimes she'll just, you know, vaguely hint that like you're, you're talking about yourself too much. And other times she'll just flat out say something, but it's helpful and I love it. And, you know, I appreciate that she does that because I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to, you know, bore people with myself. So I'm constantly reminding myself, it's not all about me. It's not all about me. And I'm, you know, she gives me feedback on that and that helps. <laughs> well, and that's a conversation I've had with a few people. It's really hard to get better if you're not aware. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, it's hard to be aware unless someone points it out. Yes. And I am not good at that kind of thing. I'm not good at telling someone, oh, hey, you're doing this wrong. And this this is what you're doing. But so my best friend, she is the one that is good at that. And you know, we balance each other out because she will tell me anytime I do something <laughs> that she doesn't think is right. <laughs> well, and it's it's hard to say that to somebody in a way that it's possible for it to be received. And you're not necessarily responsible for the person receiving it, right? Because people are responsible for their own stuff. But there's ways to say things that would be very difficult to be received, even by someone who is open. <laughs> yeah, I'm very open to feedback on all different levels. Most people are not and get defensive. So once in a while she does, I do get defensive sometimes with her, but it's just natural, you know. <laughs> yes. But then I'll later think about it and be like, oh, she's right. <laughs> it's that whole thinking about it later and going, hmm, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Or she'll even mention to me that someone else did it. She, you know, she had a friend and he was going through a divorce and he had gone through all of his friends. No one wanted to listen to it anymore because it had been six months, eight months, 10 months of him just going on and on about it. So he had, you know, was going to her for everything. And she finally, and she was repeating to me that, you know, it's just nonstop. That's all he talks about. And he, no one else will even listen to him anymore. And even that just reminds me just to keep in the back of my head that, you know, nobody wants to hear you just talk about yourself all the time. <laughs> So have you gotten better at giving other people feedback? Yes and no. Yes, only because like I mentioned with my job, I became a manager. So now I have to. Literally, my job is I have to and I hate it, but I am <laughs> getting better at it. I'm not great in my personal life, I would say, you know, with friends in that aspect. 
I can do it with my kids, but they don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah. At work, I have to, I have to, you know, yesterday I had to sit someone down and look her in the eye and let her know she did something wrong. And it makes me so incredibly uncomfortable, but I just push through and pretend I'm fine. And it's working so far. <laughs> Good opportunity for growth. Yes. That's what we call them. We call them opportunities. No one has weaknesses. It's your opportunity. So definitely my opportunity is, you know, just putting my foot down, looking people in the eye and letting them know what they're doing wrong. Calling it an opportunity for some people would feel like eye roll, like you guys are soft and that kind of crap, but it truly is an opportunity. If someone says, Hey, there's this thing and this is how it needs to be. And this is how it was. And this is how to fix it. That is a tremendous opportunity. Yes. And that's that's the only word. We have a lot of words we're not allowed to use at work. And one of them is like weakness. We have to say opportunity. (laughs) So, and it does sound better. It's a positive spin on it. It's an opportunity. Yeah. I don't think that weakness is a bad word personally. Obviously your work does. Yes. (laughs) But either way, opportunity I think is great. And I hope that people take the opportunities. Yeah. So far, so good. The things that I've had to give feedback on, it's gone pretty well, but I know it won't always happen and I'll have to deal with that too. So I think I would rather maybe do that than deal with angry people. Yeah. Angry people aren't fun. You know, sometimes I'm able to win them over and we've taken classes and they give us like very thorough training on how to deal with people and how to, you know, make them happy. And they've given me a lot of helpful tools, but you just can't please everyone. And some people just come in angry. They walk in the door angry and they just want to be mad. And there's just nothing you can do for those people. And you can, I mean, you can kind of tell usually off the bat whether or not you're going to be able to help them or not. And if I can't help them, I'm not wasting my time. I'm like, okay, you're angry. Sorry. Have a great day. Like, <laughs> or don't. That's all I got. <laughs> or don't. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. You know, something I've learned um, when there's an issue, if I would go to my boss and say, this is wrong, she would just stare at me and say, okay, what are you going to do? So I learned to not go with her with a problem. I go to her with solutions and she likes to have more than one. Okay. This is what's wrong, but we can do this or do that. And she'll say, okay, what do you think is the correct answer? And I'll tell her, she says, yep, go for it. And so that's what I'm trying to teach my people is, you know, if there's a problem, don't come to me with a problem, come to me with solutions. And I want to hear two of them. And we use that with our guests, you know, okay, this is what you're angry about. I can do this or I can do that. And if they choose the solution, they can't be mad at me. They can't hold it against me. I offered you two things and you picked this one. So that's, it's your choice, you know, and that has been a very helpful tool for me to learn how to make people happy is giving them choices and letting them choose. Do you use that with your children? I'm a lot different with my children than I am at work. (laughs) Um, Honestly, I should should do that with my children. I think that would be helpful rather than me just coming in and saying, do this, you did that wrong, do this. I think that would be a nice change for them, for me to offer them. But at the same time, you know, they would just be like, I don't like those options. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe I'll try that. I think that's a good thing to try out at home. I was just curious. Yeah. You do your house however you want to. <laughs> yeah. No, I like I like that idea of doing it with my kids because I don't. I'm completely different at home. So through all the things, what superpower have you developed? I'm very patient, which has recently started kind of wearing thin just because I'm working so much. And, you know, we moved. So our house, we still have boxes and I'm working 60 hours a week and I had to hire all these people and train all these people. And now all of the entire venue is all brand new associates that all have a lot of questions. So, you know, I was so excited. I love to train. I love to meet new people. And I was like, yeah, this is the place for me. And now I'm like, wow, this is a lot more work than I thought it would be. But I'm, I'm very, very patient between my kids, between my job. 
I can explain things to people. I love to teach them. So I'm pretty good at, you know, listening and giving feedback and teaching and all that. So definitely patience. (laughs) Nice. Well, it seems like at work, the payoff will be in however much time when things are running more smoothly because the people that you've hired and trained know what they're doing and feel comfortable with what they're doing. And you're only hiring a person instead of a team. Yes, that I look forward to that day. <laughs> you know, everybody's brand new. Right now I have directly under me, I have about 65 people and most of them are minors. So it's their first job and it's rough. Between all of them, you know, each of them work maybe two, three days a week. So it's just constant teaching because they're not there 40 hours a week. They're there 15 hours a week. You know, it's, right. it's hard to get good at something when you don't do it as often. And it's hard for me to teach them when I only see them once or twice a week. So it's a struggle. That's like my whole teaching career right there. You just summarized the whole <laughs> Basically, thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's uh yeah, it's it's a lot more work than I expected, but I love it. I'm having a great time and I'm very very happy to be here. But yeah, whew, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how all of the questions keep funneling back to that. Like I'm just noticing it's like, "Oh, well, what about this question?" Oh, and that leads back around to your new job. Oh, what about this question? Yes. Oh, and that leads back around to your new job. Honestly, my whole life revolves around it right now. My poor children. I just, I, I really, really love it there. I went and got that. We wanted to move from New Jersey to Florida. We talked about it for a couple of years and I needed a job that I could transfer in order to get a house. So I went and applied at this place just to have a job that I could transfer. And I told my husband, oh, you know, I'll work there for a year. We'll move and then I'll quit. And went in the complete opposite direction. We ended up planning our move around the company. You know, I went and said, I want to move to Florida. They said, okay, where do you want to go? They gave me a list of options and I picked one and here I am. And it's so funny how it was just this silly, like, I guess I'll go work there. And then I can just quit when we get to Florida. Turned into let's move to this city so that I can stay with this company and move up. Like it's just going in the complete opposite direction than anyone expected. But again, a fantastic surprise. Absolutely. Such a happy surprise. Yeah. I mean, I've been a waitress for 18 years and I started there as a server and they said, Hey, you know, they made me a shift lead and then they made me a team lead, which is an hourly manager. And then I applied to come to Florida and be a salary manager and I got it. So it just been shocking. Like I didn't expect that. And in my interview, he said, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, I have no idea. If you asked me a year ago, I would never have said I'd be a manager, you know, and now (laughs) here I am. I said, I I don't know where I'll be in five years because a year ago, I didn't think I'd be here. And he laughed and, you know. I hate that question. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I mean, my whole adult life, I've never been in five years where five years ago, I thought I might be. Yeah, no. Ever. No. Yeah. Where do you see that from five years? And I was just like, I don't know. (laughs) There are some calendar years that it's just like, oh, look at that. That didn't go the way I thought it would. Nope, not at all. Not necessarily for bad, right? I mean, sometimes for bad, but definitely not always. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about moving to Florida, but I don't know if I actually believe we would do it, you know? And we discussed it for a couple of years and we flew down and looked around a couple of times and then we really did it. And that kind of surprised me. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. You did it and you love it. and, And if later you don't love it anymore, you can move again. Yeah, that's, I said, oh, well, if we don't like it, we'll just, we can always move back to New Jersey. That was our plan. But after driving from New Jersey to Florida, I had a minivan with four kids, two dogs, and two cats. And we got here and I said, well, this is where we're staying until we die because I'm never doing that again. <laughs> 
when we pulled up and I was like, we live here forever. This is, this is where we die. (laughs) It was supposed to be an 18 hour drive. And we were like, all right, we're going to throw everything in the car. We're going to drive 15 hours. We're only going to stop for gas. Like we're going straight through. That was really ambitious. Yeah, we we were like, oh, we're gonna drink some Red Bulls and and some coffee, and we're gonna just go overnight. Like, now I can't stay up past eight o'clock at night without falling asleep on the couch. So I don't know in what world I thought I could drive <laughs> overnight and not sleep. But we were we were several days behind schedule. We were gonna leave Sunday night into Monday morning, and then that didn't work. We weren't ready, so we were gonna leave Monday, and then that didn't work. We were gonna leave Tuesday. We ended up leaving Wednesday night. We got up 7.30 Wednesday morning and spent 12 hours packing our U-Haul. People were coming to see our house while we were still moving out of it. We're like, just go in, just go in. Don't mind us. Just ignore us. So at 7.30 p.m. (laughs) on a Wednesday night, we loaded the last of the stuff into the U-Haul. And we were like, okay, well, now we're leaving. Like, we don't have anything left in our house. So we just got in the car. We had not eaten all day. We now have five kids, two dogs, and two cats, and a U-Haul, towing a car, and a minivan, And we just started driving and we made it about an hour and a half before I called Chris and said, we have to pull over so I can take a nap. And that happened from New Jersey to Florida. Every two hours we pulled over so I could nap for like 30 to 60 minutes and then drive again. And it was a nightmare. I was very tired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So then we, when we finally pulled up to our house, it was again, 7.30 at night. It was pitch black and pouring rain, just like downpours. We pull up to this house. It's completely empty, no furniture. And we just looked at each other and I was like, we're going to go stay in a hotel. And he said, well, we have a house here. And I said, but it's empty and it's dark and it's raining. So we put the animals in the house and went to a hotel and it was the best decision. <laughs> <laughs> we got to sleep. We got to shower. We got to eat real food. We had eaten nothing but fast food for two days. It was, we're going to die here. <laughs> never moving again. (laughs) Well, I'm gonna maybe offer to you that if you decide not to die there, there are better ways to plan a move. (laughs) Yeah, having never done it. And with all the kids and the animals, it just, oh, it was a mess. It was terrible mess. And the U-Haul he was driving, he was towing his car, so he couldn't go very fast. So we just chugged, chugged, chugged along all the way down. Oh, it was a long drive. And my kids were so well behaved. And even the animals, our dogs hate car rides. I got them anti-nausea pills and anti-anxiety medicine and the dogs did so good and the cats did so good and the kids and it was me. I was the problem. I couldn't <laughs> keep my eyes open from New Jersey to Florida. Like everyone's like, oh, it must have been the kids and the animals. No, it was 100% me that was the problem. <laughs> Chris could have gotten in the car and driven all the way through without ever stopping or sleeping. I, it was me. <laughs> it's good of you to own that. me. The kids were so good. They were so good. Yeah. So one of them rode with Chris and everybody else rode with you. Yeah. The U-Haul only had two seats. So Jake and Chris drove together full U-Haul with his car attached to the back. And then my minivan, I had one kid up in the front, three in the middle row. And then the back seats were down with the two dogs, two cats, each in a crate. And I had a litter box back there that every time we stopped at a rest up, I had to pull each cat out individually from the crate, put them in the litter box, you know, give them a chance put some food out. They were all too upset to really eat anything. We were mostly concerned with them drinking because it was, you know, pretty warm out and we didn't want to dehydrate them. But, oh, it was, you know, every (laughs) rest stop took at least an hour because there was gassing up two cars. 
And then there was, you know, taking turns going in. We had to leave the air on for the dog. So we can't leave the car. So we're taking turns going in to go to the bathroom and all the kids are hungry. So we're buying snacks and then, okay, let's get the dogs out and let them, you know, get their leashes, let them walk around. Okay. Now we got to move the cats in and out of the litter box. It's like, so every rest stop took a minimum of an hour, if not one and a half to two hours, just getting everything done for seven people and four animals. It was so much, (laughs) so much more than I expected. We're like, oh, we're just going to get gas pee and go. And no, no, (laughs) (laughs) not exactly sure what we were thinking, but that, that was not what we were thinking. On one hand, it might be good. That's not what you were thinking because would you have done it? it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. My move out here was by car also, but there were no animals, no children and no U-Haul. Nice. (laughs) Sounds like a packed car. (laughs) Well, I mailed a bunch of stuff. I brought stuff in my car that I didn't want to mail, but I sold all my furniture because, I mean, I wasn't that far out of college, so Mm -hmm. I didn't really have good furniture. It costs more to rent a U-Haul for cross country than it would have to just replace the furniture. Yeah, basically. We had planned on, oh, let's just sell the furniture and get all new stuff when we get there. But that's unrealistic for the whole house, for all the kids, for all the beds. We did, at the last minute, we had to leave several larger things that we just couldn't fit. We had already filled a pod and that had left. And then we filled a U-Haul that we could only get the small, like a small U-Haul. They didn't have any large ones available. So we fit everything we possibly could. And then literally an hour before we left, we just moved everything else into the garage and I ran around taking pictures. And every time we stopped at a rest stop, I was posting things for sale on Facebook marketplace. <laughs> you know, we had just listed our house the day before, so the house was still ours. So as people said they wanted things, I just had friends go over, get furniture out of my garage and sell it for me. And they were all just Venmoing me the money, just the random stuff we could. So when we got here, we did buy new dressers and a couple beds that we didn't fit. But for the most part, we brought everything and got, you just don't realize how much stuff you have Yes, until you try to move and there's so much stuff. And we were like, oh, we're going to get rid of everything. And we didn't get rid of everything. Nope. <laughs> no. And still we did it. And I still don't know how we filled a pod and a U-Haul. I still don't know how we filled. I mean, it just. Well, there are seven of you. Yeah. It just, everything adds up so quickly. And even just, you know, and we don't, I mean, we have a lot of stuff, but I don't feel like we have as much as other people. Like, each individual person, I feel like I don't let the kids hoard things. And, but it just, it just adds up no matter what you do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So if you had to be famous for something, what would you be famous for? Yeah. Um, I would never, I don't think choose to be famous, but if I had to be, I would say I would want to be known for just being a really good person. Again, my job, they hold voting every year for awards for people who just stood out over the year. And um, there's all different categories. There's leadership and there's different categories. And uh, last year I won like the highest award, which was, it's <laughs> so corny, but it's called the culture champion. And it's someone who just sticks out that, you know, keeps the culture alive because they do a lot of volunteer work and fundraising and activities and just fun things in the community. So the culture champion is someone who represents the whole culture of the company. And of my venue of about 500 people, I won. And that was, I was shocked and I couldn't believe it. And, you know, it was really nice. It was an honor. And it made me feel good to be known for being someone who just is giving and stands out like that. So that felt really good. So if I had to be famous for something, I would say something like that because I appreciated it. (laughs) That's very cool. Yeah. (laughs) 
normally the winners get to fly to Texas and have a whole banquet and everything, but it was COVID. So there was no flying anywhere. We just got, you know, a cool name tag. (laughs) (laughs) Does that travel with you or is it like a temporary name tag? It came with me. I can wear it. So I wear it now at my new venue. And then when we got here, they sat me down and asked me to be the culture champion until we um, have our voting for our venue. So I got to do it again. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Could you volunteer to be our culture champion? Yeah, they, they voluntold me. They said we would like to nominate you to be our culture champion until voting takes place. So here I am again. <laughs> Still no flight. Still didn't go to the party, but. <laughs> <laughs> there are worse things to be voluntold. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. So at work or randomly as you're traveling through life, what is something that you wish people knew about you? Well, I would say at first glance, if someone looks at me, I have hot pink hair and I have a nose ring and I most recently got a sleeve tattoo. So I would say if someone, you know, not knowing me looked at me off the bat, they might think I'm a little different than I am because just because I kind of have, you know, all this stuff that sticks out, but I'm actually, you know, kind of quiet. I'm kind of funny. I'm a nice person. And I think that some people just looking at me off the bat, maybe get the wrong impression. You know, when I go to talk to guests and sometimes they'll say, are you a manager? And I'm like, yes, I am, you know, (laughs) yes, I am with my pink hair. I'm a manager. So I would just want people to know that just because I have pink hair and tattoos does not mean I'm not a good person. I'm a nice person. I'm a good person. I'm a culture champion. (laughs) (laughs) That tied in really well. (laughs) (laughs) So winding down here, do you have a question you'd like me to ask the next person? Question for the next person. I would ask them, what is your why? Interesting. What gets you going? What makes you do the things you do? And what what keeps you motivated? Nice. I will ask them. Our last guest wanted to know, what is one of the smallest things that you do to make life nicer for someone else? Since I've moved, I've made an effort to call people that maybe, you know, I was friends with in New Jersey, but didn't like call them regularly or anything. I started trying, like when I drive home from work, I try to call a different person every day. Um, When someone calls me, it makes me feel good, but they were thinking of me and, you know, they wanted to talk to me. So I literally every day when I I will scroll through my phone or my text and I'll find someone that even someone I don't have that close of a relationship with, I've just been calling them and saying, Hey, how are you? How are things going? It keeps, I got a 30 minute drive home. It's the perfect amount of time to talk to somebody on speakerphone. And it just, I feel like I'm cheering up their day. I know another uh, manager that transferred to another venue and moved out of state and is completely alone in that state. And I know she's feeling lonely. So I try to call her a lot. And yeah, every day I try to call a different person on my way home and just say, hello, I was thinking about you. I wanted to call and say hi. And I feel like that's a nice thing to do. (laughs) It is. It's so nice to connect with people. Yes. Nice. I didn't want to just move and, you know, never speak to anybody again. And texts are not as personal. So right. I've been, and I'm, I'm not usually a phone person. So I've been kind of stepping out of my comfort zone to call people on the phone and say hello. <laughs> That's excellent. I bet it makes people happy. I hope so. I'm sure some of them are like, why is Amy calling me? <laughs> but <laughs> I think I, That's yeah. all right. <laughs> well, thank you for coming and talking with us today. It has been a blast talking to you. Thank you for having me. 
Our editor is Heat G Check, co-editor Rocket Kid, produced by Heat G Check. To learn more about me, Heat, or more about this podcast, go to ordinarychaospodcast.com. Sound design and recording by Keith Kelly. You can learn more about Keith and his work at www.keithbkelly.com. Cobrain Storm by Rocket Kid and Cat Girl. Ordinary Chaos is an ad-free podcast. Because ads are annoying. To support the podcast, go to ordinarychaospodcast.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Rocket Kid signing off. Yeah, well, the boys are both significantly taller than me now. They're 13 and 14 turning 15, so... You know, I have to ask them to get things down from the higher shelves now and they just they love it every time I ask they just smile and they'll stop whatever they're doing to come get something down because I think it's so cool that they're taller than me I'm ready for that yeah <laughs> rocket kid is not quite my height yet but he's about five inches shorter gotcha. and yeah rapidly wow. catching up well then he's probably my height <laughs>